Good morning. Just a Sunday morning devotion. All right. Just more people this time. I'm going to move this thing down a little bit. <clears throat> this morning, I couldn't think of anything better that I could possibly bring to you that would bring more honor and glory to Christ than to talk about the law and the gospel. Um, Brother Israel told me it would be okay if I just stood up here and gave you my, my testimony. And I, I'm not saying that testimonies aren't useful. And the best way I could think to give you my testimony is to tell you about what I've learned from Israel, what I've learned from the scriptures, what I've learned from the deacons and the teachers and the other preachers that are here, what I've learned from my time being here at Mount Zion. And the best place to go for that is to the Bible. We'll be in Romans chapter 3 this morning. Romans chapter 3, and our focus is going to be in verses 11, but you stay there. I just, I just want to go through Romans real quick, uh, just, just a summation of everything that's happened up until this point. In Romans, Paul starts with this letter, as he does many others, uh, with a very intentional mood. Speaking of the gospel, speaking of peace. And I want us to zero in at the beginning of Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. I'll read it to you. You don't have to flip over there. Just keep your place. He says in chapter 16 of uh, chapter 1, verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes first to the Jew and also to the Greek. For in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. I want you to focus on that. If you go back and you ever read through Romans, and you've robbed yourself if you've not been here when Israel Christ is going through these verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Um, as you go through some of these things, sometimes it can seem a little bit overwhelming. Sometimes it can seem like it says one thing, but it means something else. I want you to remember that the righteous will live by faith. It is very precious that it does not say, and it's very lucky for us that it does not say, the righteous will live by the law. And as you read this, Paul makes a very pointed effort to point out that it is not by the law that we must live. It is not by the law that we are righteous or that we are justified. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 16, I promise you we'll make it to Romans. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 16, starting there it says, and yet, because we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we ourselves have believed in Christ Jesus. This was so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no human being will be justified. They have never been justified they will never be justified, and it's not changing today. They have never been justified. But if we ourselves are also found to be sinners, while seeking to be justified by Christ, is Christ then a promoter of sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild those things that I tore down, I show myself to be a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law. 
so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by the faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. And we know Christ did not die for nothing. He very intentionally gave Himself for the church. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So just a rundown of Romans. And I hope not to overwhelm you with this, but I don't want you to miss it out. You can go back and read it for yourself. But chapters 1 and 2, if you, if you look at it, I'm not reading them, so just stay in Romans chapter 3. In Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 32, he points out the guilt of the Gentiles, the Gentile world. In Romans, and that, that finishes up chapter 1, in Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 16, God's righteous judgment. He speaks of. And how God can be righteous to judge at all. In verses 17 through, through 29, the Jews' violation of the law and their holier-than-thou attitude, that's, that's my, my word, holier-than-thou attitude towards the Gentiles and what it truly means to be a Jew. And now, that has brought us up to Romans chapter 3. Verses 1 through 8 I got so hung up on that, man. I was like, what are you trying to say here, Paul? And uh, sometimes when you're reading stuff, just looking or glancing at uh, someone else's commentary can give you all the motivation in the world. And just a little bit of, uh, just a tiny sentence will make a whole paragraph make sense. But this is Paul kind of, if I told you something and I said, now listen, I know what you're thinking. And then I went ahead and said what you were thinking and then gave you the, the objection of it and then told you the answer to it. This is what Paul's doing in Romans chapter 3. He's saying, all this stuff that I've written, I know what you're going to say. Now let me touch on that real quick before we get into the rest of it. But not to get bogged down in it, we're going to go ahead and hit uh, verse 9. And we're going to start there. <clears throat> verse 9 says, what then? Are we any better off? Speaking of Jews. Not at all. For we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. As it is written. There is none righteous. Not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. All alike have become worthless. There is no one who does what is good. Not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They deceive with their tongues. Vipers venom is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and wretchedness are in their paths. And the path of peace They have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. If I was going to share my testimony, this, interestingly enough, would be a good script, a 
to hit all the highlights of who I was before I came to a saving knowledge of Christ. Before He pulled me from the flames. I was not righteous and I still am not. The only righteousness that is in me is Christ and Christ alone. Any of the good deeds that I might do that honor and glorify God is Christ working through me. It is a, it's, it's a holy work, a heavenly work. I did not understand to a point to where I did not want to understand. I did not seek God. Luckily, though, I was seeking truth. By whatever means it was, I wanted the truth. I wanted to know how everything came about. I wanted to know the answers to life. I wanted to know where we were headed, what we were doing, why we were here. I wanted the purpose. And I, I was, it, it was in my heart and in my mind. I was going to find it. And no matter where I looked, no matter what books I read, no matter what wise men I spoke to, no matter where I went, there was always a glass ceiling. There was a point to where they said, you know, we can't go above this. We don't know any more than this right here. Here's the cutoff. Any more than that, you're just guessing. Any less than that, then you're admitting defeat. So we have to get all the way to this point and stop here, and this is where our knowledge has gotten us. No matter where you turn. And I was seeking for truth. And the glass ceiling was not enough for me. Thank God. Thank God. And then, I remember, as clear as day, Israel Price, I've heard it a million times. Folks, as a lost man, I stood behind a pulpit and said it hundreds of times. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except by Him. Now, how do we get there? One of the things I kept getting hung up on it, whenever I would argue or debate with somebody, they would say, well, you have to have faith. Man, that ain't enough for me. Have faith. Well, you got to believe. Even the demons believe and they tremble. When, when is it enough to get me to the point to where I can be like you and say, I know in whom I believe. And I'm no longer ashamed of the gospel. The change you can find in Scripture. Verses 19 through 28. I know I'm going to read a lot, but my words will not do justice to what Scripture can preach to you. So allow me to tell you what Paul said. After he said all these things, there is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are subject to the law, so that every mouth may be shut and the whole world may become subject to God's judgment. There is a statement that I used to tell people all the time. Well, what would you say if you stood before God? And I, dude, I could ring the questions off. I was, I was studied and I was prepared to tell them what I, exactly what I would tell to God. Exactly what I would say to Him if I stood before Him. Folks, if I died in my sin, my mouth would have been closed and there would be no questions. There would be no pointing at God and saying you could have done this better. And I say that because if you are lost here this morning and you have all these reasons that you've reasoned out yourself, you've heard all these wise men say 
You know, if God was real, then I would say this to him. You won't. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. And the holiness of God will push the unrighteous and wicked man out of his presence with no words, no reasoning with him. It's done. So that every mouth may be shut and the whole world may become subject to God's judgment. Do you know what the people who have had faith and placed faith in Christ will say on the day of judgment? When those wicked people are turned from Him and cast away, there will be no other words except for praise you, God. You are righteous and holy in your judgments, and if it were not for you, there go I. I would be in that same state. Righteous are you. Not even can I stand before God as a saved person and say, Lord, but wait. Maybe it would be better this way. God will speak and it will be accomplished. For no one will be justified in his sight by the works of the law. You can't say that I've done good things because your righteousness, your good works are like filthy rags. Because the knowledge of sin comes through the law. And we know our sins, don't we? But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed. Attested by the law and the prophets. The righteousness of God is through faith in Christ Jesus. No other way. To all who believe, since there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God presented Himself as the mercy seat by His blood through faith to de demonstrate His righteousness because His restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed. God presented Him to demonstrate His righteousness at the present time so that He would be just and justify the one who has faith in Jesus. Where do His boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? <coughs> by one of works? No. On the contrary, by law of faith. For we conclude that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. And then it continues on. You can read that yourself. I would recommend this. I think that it's good for lost people to hear and I think it's good for saved people to go back and read Now this brings us to my question earlier and to the question that I've asked and millions of other people have asked. Faith. You can say faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. All kinds of people have faith in all kinds of different things. You had faith in that chair when you sat down in it. You had faith in the pew that it was going to hold me up when I sat down on it. We, we have all these, without any prior evidence, we just, you know, there's this innate sense in us that knows that this certain thing is going to take care of us when we sit down in it. We have faith in all kinds of stuff. Faith is not a uh, it's not some kind of un unworldly and supernatural thing that only Christians can understand. It's something that everybody can understand. Faith is a thing. It's also a hot topic. How much faith this was a question I used to ask. Do I have to have in order to be saved. A lot of Christians say, well, you need more faith. 
You need to have more faith. I need to have more faith in this context. The problem is, faith in context of Scripture and Christ can be confusing to a certain degree for some. Leave it up to men to make something so simple, so complex. Often it's confused with belief. But it goes hand in hand. Because even the demons believe in Christ's deity. And they shudder. But their entire existence is spent in total aberrant to who he is against him in every way. Belief will get you nowhere by itself. Conviction of the Holy Spirit is the first aspect to salvation. It is the first part of the heavenly procedure. How do you answer when that Holy Spirit comes upon you and begins its work of conviction? Do you know that you're a sinner before Him? Do you know that your righteousness compares not even a point in space to His overwhelming goodness. His unmeasured mercy. His grace and His power. A thrice holy God we stand before. So how do you answer? Do you see your helpless state? There is but one way to escape damnation. Christ. He and He alone is the way, the truth, the life. The perfect spotless Lamb. The Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He is not just a good teacher. He is not just a prophet. He is not just a man. He is 100% God. He is God incarnate walking among men. That means He is Emmanuel. He is the great I Am, King of kings and Lord of lords, Lion of Judah. The very Word of God. Express image of God. He is love and He is life. He is our salvation. He is our righteousness and He is our holiness. He is our great High Priest who continually, every day, in and out, makes intercession for me, for you. How do you view Him? Because that's where it comes in. You can believe all kinds of things about Jesus. But how do you see Him? And do you have faith in His sacrifice upon the cross? For God so loved the world that He sent His Son into the world to die. So that we could believe in His sacrifice. We could believe in His deity. We could believe in the person of Jesus Christ that the Scripture tells us who He is so plainly, without any question. And tells us exactly who we are so plainly without a question before Him. And our great need for a good and gracious Savior. How do you view Him? Look, I plead with you, at what He did for you. Romans chapter 5, verses 1-11. through 11, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through Him by faith into this grace in which we stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions because we know that affliction 
produces endurance. Endurance produces uh, proven character. And proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. I know that it seems sometimes that, well, why do I want to be a Christian when there's so many Christians who are hurting? They're, they're disappointed in their life. They're sad. Folks, I'm, I'm here to tell you that there is hope beyond hope when you believe in the deity and the person of God in Jesus. There is a hope that you cannot get from anything else. Stop looking at those Christians. Stop looking about, at other people and trying to measure their goodness or their happiness because it doesn't matter. What matters is where you stand before Christ. That person in the seat next to you does not matter. That person in the seat in front of you does not matter or behind you. The Christian that you work with at work who's always downtrodden, sad, and angry does not matter. You matter and Christ matters in this situation. Through afflictions, you know what a true Christian will find? That in the darkest and saddest and hardest moments in our life, God is good. He is good no matter what. In the hardest times when we were looking up and down and side to side, front and back, trying to find the presence of God, and it seems like we can't, He is an ever-present help. No matter what you think, you don't know how He works. You don't know what He's doing in your life. But I promise you this, that if you love Him, He is working all things out to the good of us. To bring himself more honor and glory. If you don't have faith that he's working things out good for you. I promise you you can believe this. He's working it out for his good. And his glory. So that in the end. He will not be dissatisfied. Holy is he. Righteous is he. Faith is not something that just magically happens. Let's continue reading in verse 6. For while we were still helpless, at that right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will some die for a just person, though for a good person perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves His own love for us in that while we were still sinners, while we were His enemies, while we hated Him, Christ died for me. Christ died for you. How much more then, since we have now been justified by His blood, will we be saved through Him from wrath? For if while we were His enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by His life? And not only that, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. I'll plead with you and plead with you until my, my lungs could give out. Uh, you know, another thing that I, I always like to point out was, <clears throat> like, I know that I'm saved. Well, how can you know? In verse 8 of chapter 3, 
Paul points out what some had slanderously said about what he believed. And this is what people say about you. You've probably heard it. And why not say, just as some people slanderously claim we say, let us do what is evil so that good may come. Why can't we just... Well, if you believe that God's going to save you then, and He keeps you forever, all that the Father gives me, I will not lose one, He says. If you can live that way. Why even try if you can be saved and still be sinful? Listen to what the Scripture says. The people that say that, their condemnation is deserved. I'm not trying to judge people or point people out, but Folks, when I said that same exact thing, when I would try to argue with people who pointed out that you can come to a saving knowledge of Christ and be saved forever, my first thought was, well, why do you need saving in the first place if you can be saved just being who you are, sinful and wretched? My condemnation was well-deserved. And I hope you still realize that even now, if not for the blood of Christ covering my life, it would still be deserved. <laughs> A hundred percent, no doubt. Christ is calling lost people to be saved. And today is the day of salvation. And it's not something that happens and lasts for a little while. If you wonder, am I saved? Did I do the right thing? Uh, this dude's up here talking and now I'm not sure if I'm saved or not. Or I'm scared. Check it out. Peter said... Jesus, all these men say that you are this person, this person, and you're reincarnated as this person. Jesus Christ asked him a simple question. Whom do you say that I am, Peter? And he said, Thou art the Christ, Son of the living God. Right? What did, Peter, what did Jesus say? Blessed are you, Peter, because flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto you but my Father who is in heaven. Folks, talk about assurance. It don't matter what you said yesterday or 10 minutes ago. What do you believe today? Today is the day of salvation. If you say, well, I can't look back in my life and pinpoint a certain time, who do you say that He is? Who do you say that He is? And if you say that He is the Christ, Son of the living God, the Most High, the High Counselor, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. And I know that He died on the cross for my sin. Blessed are you. Blessed are you.